Hi and welcome to episode 14 of the Barnsley Museums podcast. I'm Michael, the digital curator at Barnsley Museums and in this episode we're going to revisit the subject of episode 2 which was the Barnsley Canister Company. This was a focus of an exhibition this time last year at Experience Barnsley. As part of this Stephen Skelly, our community heritage curator, went out into the community to, to collect objects as well as stories from former Tinnall employees like this one from Trevor Wilkes. It's the 12th of December 2018. My name's Stephen Skellith with uh, Barnsley Museums and we're doing an oral history interview in good old Kendry uh, with Trevor Wilkes. Uh, Trevor used to work at the Canister Company factory um, for, was it 17 years? Yeah. 17, so we're just going to ask him a few questions about his memories he's kindly agreed to share. So, so, so yeah, uh, uh, Trevor, could you tell me when you started working at the Canister Company? I factory? started in February 1974. Uh, and I started in an area what we call dispatch, which were basically loading lorries with boxes of tins to be dispatched all over the country. Uh, every Monday we had a container lorry come in and that were bound for America. Uh, by uh, the, 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 the tins were snack bowls, snack bowls, trays, all very, very fancy things for American market, which were, were Dare. The firm were called Dare. And we and that were every Monday. And then basically, uh, rest of the week, it was local uh, removal firms. Thomas Masters and uh, Andrew Ogson and Sons, who used to share deliveries, and we loaded their vans week in, week out. After a few years, uh, there were only... After a few years, uh, I moved from dispatch into maintenance department uh, and it was joiner's shop. And there were me and two joiners and two bricklayers. And we just basically just maintained general upkeep at factory, which actually gives us access to every floor, every room, everywhere in Barnsley Canister. There wasn't an area that I did not know. We found tunnels, we found streams. There's a, there's a, it, it, would, it will still be there under Gateway Plaza. That's where Canister Company was, where Gateway Plaza is now. And directly under the bottom of Canister Company was a stream. And it was a weird thing because it was in like an old wooden trough. And we found... We found uh, also what's under there, arched be arched supports holding canister company up and we're talking four floors and when you look at old pictures of Barnsley canister company it looks like some uh, Stalag 13 or Alcatraz or uh, uh, what Colditz, Colditz can, it was nicknamed, a lot of people called it Colditz because before we had it painted, it, we had it painted all beige and it, it with smog, an old industrial basley, the place was black, the stone, everything was. And it was, honest to God, it was the best 17 years of my life, to be honest with you. Uh, the lads I worked with were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they, were fitting, they were a fitting shop, where there were maybe a dozen so fitters, and then there were our shop, joiner's shop, which were oldie-worldie, but 
it got what we what we needed. Um, and then next up, what tool shop, what made all tools for casting, uh, presses for casting tins, and then you got your production next door, and you work well, and you were in the hill. It were, it were built as you know, uh, it were on Fitzwilliam Street or it's proper as this for Sackwell Street, but Fitzwilliam Street is like that, and that's basically how you went up through factory up ramps. It it were it were a daunting thing sometimes when you were shoving a big barrel full of tools. So you got out of breath going up the factory. Yeah, yeah, and the, it were a godsend when uh, they decided to dig in, to decide a building, and they put a huge lift in middle of the factory, what went up to every floor, and that's when we we dug the we dug the base out. And when we dug out, this is where we found the tunnels. And we did a bit of research at time, but we came up with nothing. But as, as time progressed, apparently it were a, there were a colliery uh, where Barnsley Canister Company were and various other industries during processes developing into canister. Canister started, I believe, in 1919. But before that, uh, there were a hole in wall pub which we found the old steps. What we used to have a boiler room at one end at factory, uh, right in corner, uh, there were some steps and they went to nowhere and we found out that them steps were in and out of the hole in the wall pub. It was an interesting building, but at time when I was there, I wasn't interested in history. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now I've, I've picked up, I've got loads and loads of gear, mm -hmm. loads of books on Barnsley and everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it kind of the the as far as I know, and our archives are looking into it now. Um, it was a munitions factory, um, World War One, uh, making shells. That's good. Uh, around like... about that time when it started, then they turned to making because they could work with metal. Then they turned to tin. So uh, I'm led to believe it. Uh, it, it did. I, I'm not sure if it's. I mean, like 1919. Obviously, uh, World War One had, had had finished. Uh, but obviously it picked up then. And I think during the Second World War, they did do their bit for uh, for British Army, uh, shell cases and things like that. Uh, I'm led to, that's what I'm led to believe. I remember we had, right day up, uh, in fact, we had what we call a sample room. Um, for Obviously, every tin... Everything what were made at Barnsley Barnsley Cannes Company were in that sample room. Uh, but uh, we never saw any shell cases or out like that. So obviously uh, they were being decommissioned or whatever you call it and taken away. Uh, I mean, obviously a shell case is brass. So uh, you can reuse brass and melt it down. But we never found out like that. But <laughs> when we... Yeah, when the management decided to expand uh, their uh, sample room, we went through a wall, and it were along. It were like an attic room, and it were quite long. It were over forty foot long, and we found a a a r p adats all hung up in a row. Uh, 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 watch, uh, red watch, green watch, so. Uh, we can it, we we assumed at the time we can't the company being so high up 
they must have had a watch during it was at World War on that roof because it had access. We were in that room, in that attic room. There were access up to the top roof on, to, on the top floor. And we, and we just assumed that it was a watch for uh, aircraft coming over or, or fires. Uh, because it, it, you, uh, one summer we were a bit naughty, it was quite warm and Yorkshire were playing at Shaw Lane, cricket, cricket. so we went right up on the roof with binoculars and we got a perfect view at cricket match. <laughs> Brilliant! It, it, me, <laughs> that was a naughty bit at work, uh, but it was a perfect job. We has been enjoying a shop. Uh, you could just pick a piece of paper up, a ruler and a saw, and walk all out factory. And nobody questions you. We did do his work. We did crack on. If we got told to do something, we got it done. Uh, it, uh, Monday mornings what worst. Replacing all broken windows, what boys club lads used to smash it during the weekend. Oh. Yeah, it was. It, 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 it was self-contained as well. That what it used to amaze me. Everything apart from the actual raw materials, tin plate, which came in in great lorries in great big tum blocks. Huge. How they got up that hill, I I never know, because there were granite sets. There were granite sets, and uh, you you know a granite set, uh, a bit of wet, a bit of damp, a bit of milled uh, dew and the light ice skating. And now these articulated lorries used to get up our yard, I don't know, from back of uh, uh, Town End Park, where Geoffrey Britton's, uh, that were, that what canister company, Geoffrey Britton's uh, officers, uh, that used to be what we used to call that vinegar, bottling company, what vinegar store. Uh, obviously at one time they used to bottle vinegar. Uh, and it, were, it used to be our storeroom, and that were at bottom of our yard. Uh, entrance to our yard was between Park House, which is gone now, and and Geoffrey Britton's uh, offices. And how uh, they used to get up that yard was unbelievable. And they used to come up, in, uh, they used to have about 20 one-ton blocks, a tin plate, and uh, they used to weave in and come between, join a shop and what we call stores, and Michael had overhead lifting uh, Michael Storman lifted them into the stores and then next door to the stores what print department so obviously tin plate went into print printed the pattern or whatever and then it went up up onto the next floor onto what we call varnish oven and it gave it a coat of varnish or lacquer or whatever it wanted and it could be crackle or it could be smooth uh, and then it went up up another floor uh, into the cutting department and it was these big there'd be about three foot by two foot sheets of tin or tin plate or whatever and they'd go through cutters to, uh, to sizes what they wanted and then lads there were suppliers, lads they used to have a big tub and they'd put them into barrows into tubs and take them to presses where ladies were stamping whether it be a tin lid or a blank or whatever. 
I've, I've heard that um, a, a lot of uh, women worked at the factory um, and they did shifts in between and around their families. Uh, were, were most of the employees women? Yeah, like I say, it was 90% women workload. Uh, my mum, God rest her soul, she was here of a 40 year. And uh, she eventually was forced to retire at 68, uh, which... <coughs> I was at Canister Company at the time when she retired. Uh, it pleased me in a way, but yet again, I was a bit upset because it were, she lived on her own and it was like, it was her company, you know what I mean? And my mum used to take over running at factory when everybody else had gone home. Uh, it was evening shift. Uh, I can't remember the exact hours, maybe five while ten or four while half uh, four while ten something like that, and she was sole supervisor. Uh, she, she ran her own department, but she also run whatever what were running on that evening shift. Uh, she was in charge on it. So a respected and long serving member of staff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, to accommodate a lot of ladies, obviously, uh, there were there were certain different shifts. Like people were taking the kids to school, so as soon as they dropped the kids off at school, they were coming in to work. Uh, nine while twelve or twelve while four. There were various shifts, but main shift what days? We did have an e uh, uh, a night shift, uh, which ran for quite a few years. Um, that was ten o'clock while. Six o'clock, I think, or seven o'clock at morning. Uh, that ran for quite a few years, or it was running when I started, and then it just sort of fizzled out. We well, and then, but when I started at Canis Company, we'd also got a factory at Cundy Cross, and it used to be Old Court, Lawnsett, Lawnsey factory. It's not there now, it they built that bloody big road and uh, whatever you. Uh, that was just like storage area, but they used to produce biscuit barrels down there. And then when that got condemned, which was, it was uh, unmanageable uh, type thing, they built in a purpose-built factory at Wumwell, down station on the side of the Wumwell football ground. That was a huge place, that, that one massive. It's still there, that actually. I don't know what's in there now. Uh, and then everything from Cundy Cross moved to Wumwell, plus one or two items from Barnsley. Uh, the main one was an HME press. It must have stood 15 foot tall. I'd say six to seven foot wide and six to seven foot deep. It was huge, it was massive. It used to come down with a great big massive thumb. It used to stamp trays. And that's all it did. That's all it ever produced, says. And you just got this big sheet of tin with pattern it say on it. You put it in, you pull that down, you pull that across and you pull this guy and you got to press two buttons. You press one, it won't work. If gates weren't down, it won't work. Once all them were done, you press them two buttons, it used to come down with a mighty thump. And that went to one well. And then 
it decided that it had to come back to Barnsley. Oh my God, I'm nervous. With uh, up Fitzwilliam Street, with two sliding doors which went straight into cutters. But they weren't open wide enough, so we had to dismantle doors and take our foot wall down. And this was a two-day job. So, like, after day one, Saturday, we had to board it all up for security reasons. And watchman, we used to have an old-type watchman. So we set him up just the other side at boards. Whatever you do, George, you don't go anywhere else. In fact, you stay there. There were no to Nick. No, to any, at that time of day, I mean, probably people would get in there and just ransack it. But anyway, it came. They, they, we got a specialist team of removal men to come and do it, and they came and did it. And what they got to do, they got to lower it down on its back. And they did this at one well, and they fetched it on a low loader. And we stopped all traffic on Summer Lane. And as it turned into Fitzwilliam to come up, Fitzwilliam Street, which everybody said it needed to come down Fitzwilliam Street, as it turned to come up Fitzwilliam Street, the arm that spun round the press came out. And there's a little bungalow at the bottom of Fitzwilliam Street, a disabled bungalow. And that arm and press ended up in that front garden. It slid. It slid off at low order. Oh, they were at Absolutely pandemonium. It was pandemonium. And there were no we could do. It was not to do with Canister Company because it was a firm that were and I think they got sent to IL. People got sacked. Lorry driver got sacked. I know that for definite. Uh, but like that's just another tale at, at firm. Uh, there's a thousand and one. Like you say, things come back. You think of everyday things. I mean, it, it was pretty mundane. There were some days we were just sitting join a shop and a sweep up and all like that. But other days there'd be... Uh, we all, everybody join a shop. We only responded to one bloke. Nobody else could tell us what to do. And we responded to the main man upstairs, Mr. Mr. Bowler, managing director. No MGB is his initials, Morris Graham Bowler, and no, nobody could tell us we aren't going through him f to tell us what to do. <coughs> and, um, can I can I ask? Um, you've mentioned it was the uh, best seventeen years of your life. Fantastic. Yeah. Did was there much camaraderie? Was it? Oh, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It, it, everybody, everybody knew each other. Uh, everybody were friendly. It was. It, it was a good place to go to. It would I mean, somebody, people, you'd get up on a Monday, oh, work. But, like, it, it, you're just springing your step going to Canister Company, albeit from bus station, it was like that going on. Because <laughs> <coughs> I didn't drive then. And, uh, it, 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 yeah, it, 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 between lads, lads in maintenance, it was, we lake football twice a week. We used to go playing football. Uh, up at uh, Oil and Sports Centre, we used to. In winter, we had all. In summer, we went on picture back, and it was okay. And we had a laugh. We used to go out drinking. We used to go to night spots. Uh, it, uh, if there were a stag do, or we called them bachelor do's in them days, 
uh, it will look forward to we got one lad what used to see to it collect all money and collect bus fares blah 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 yeah it was a good click it was a good click and wh where did you go out in Barnsley on your nights out where, what what uh, venues did you go to can you say again? Uh, what what uh, venues did you go to what what pubs well we used to go out to Barnsley we'd meet up in uh, we'd meet in Queens or a designated pub in town and then we'd be off. Wakefield, Sheffield, uh, you name it, Uddersfield. We weren't all over. It was brilliant. Wakefield, uh, Tiff Tiffany's at the time it was. Uh, Pussycats, which used to be at Wake uh, Wakefield Theatre Club. Uh, in Sheffield, oh Christ. In Sheffield, Fiesta, went in there. Uh, there used to be a Tiffany's at Sheffield. The best place I liked in Sheffield when we used to go out was a pub called Samway. It was near Sheffield. It was near t Tiffany's. Uh, God knows if it's still there or not. It was a right pub. And uh, we got to know Landlord quite well. And this particular time we went, this Friday we went, I hadn't got a tie and we said, this venue we're going in, uh, you've got to wear a tie. Which was the norm then. I mean, getting with jeans and sneakers, they were unbelievable. And uh, they were all saying, well, what are we going to do? Like, Seth kind of, the landlord, he come down, come on, he said, I'll put, put that on. It was a nondescript tie. It was one where I wouldn't even look at, but it got me in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what what were the soundtrack that you were listening to at the time? Of oh, God, 70s, 70s Slade and... Uh, and then obviously to, we, we're into Slade and I went into Slade big time. Uh, uh, T-Rex and things like that, that type of band and that. And then it got to, to Disco Era and, and things like that. And uh, uh, what the Champs, uh, they were a good band at the time, Chic. And they were on all the night. And with Niles Rogers, uh, unbelievable. It must be 90. They're still going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. He's, I mean, I can't knock him. He's a brilliant musician. Uh, yeah, it was that time. I mean, like, when you're out with lads, you don't really listen to much music, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You've got a night out for women and all like that. I mean, I were married and all that time. So uh, I was courting Julie when I got to job at Canister. Uh, well, my I'll be honest with you, my mum got me job. She were, obviously she worked at Canister and I just got finished it at, at one place and I was a bit, bit low ebb and she said would you work at Tin Patsy or Tin Oil as we are affectionately known. I said I was betting on what I'm doing now. Anyway she, I just turned up, uh, I saw a guy called Laurie Darlow who was main supervisor at running at Fatsy. He took me to see a guy called Brian Prest, who worked Gaffer at Dispatch. <coughs> ex lorry driver across at Masters. Masters were across road at time. And one thing led to another, he said, start Monday. And uh, I, I started that, that Monday in Dispatch, and it was me, Roger, and another lad called Kenny, and the rest were made up with four or five women. And we just used to carry boxes into lorries. 
Uh, we had a conveyor belt running through this part, yeah, yeah. but we take them off by hand, and everything were handball, everything, uh, <laughs> including containers, and they were really heavy boxes. Uh, they were called snap balls, and there'd be 12 in a box, and uh, they were really heavy. We've interviewed a couple of uh, women, I think, who worked in the dispatch area, uh, Pat Dowell and uh, Re Regina Lockwood Dukes, who might not have the same name now, but it might not have been at the same time as you. Yeah. They said the same. I mean, there weren't a person I didn't speak to. Uh, I, you know what I mean? I always, I always say, it was either morning, noon or night. And... Uh, the one to person what didn't know me, obviously with with my connections with going around Fatsy. Uh and I sort of got on with everybody. Or I thought I like to think I got on with everybody. Uh, I, we were well liked and all like that. We used to make tins for we used to make a lot of tins for boots and they were based or still be they could be still be based at Nottingham there may have Fatsy. And we made hell of a lot of stuff for boots, halts, halts, car uh, stuff. We made a lot of them, gum gum, mm -hmm. for exhaust. I've heard they were like the best quality tins in, and the best embossers that you could. They, you could they were the best quality. The quality was very good. Oh, yeah. It was exceptional. It was exceptional. We, we, we had a, a team of artists who used to research. They were set down in bowels. A canister company. They were in lowest at lowest level, and we had a team of artists there. Who, let's say, left no stone unturned in research for a tin, and we had an order for British Museum to produce small mummies, tin mummies. Now, it was unbelievable, and I think they re they went to British Museum. And they got every detail off a, uh, off a mummy, and they fetched it back, and they developed it, and they built, and and the 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 drew, these, uh, images. Uh, I think about I think about stuff what we made, and if I'd ever pick one up off a conveyor belt, which a lot of people used to do, if they were quite nice. You know, a lot of people used to take one and this, that, other. But uh, I think that they've been, that they look well in this, in, in, in here, like just just propped up somewhere instead of these silly <laughs> But Well, you'd be pleased to know we've we've got one in the museum. What, a mummy? A and, tin mummy? And, and the, the artwork. Oh. So we can show you it. All oh, right. If you want. Things change for me. When Mr. Bowler uh, retired, uh, he was old school. You know what I mean? As soon as people saw, saw him come down the steps on the factory floor, right, you, you, you dove, you moved, right? You didn't stand there, oh, bowler, and you were off. Bowler, bowler, bowler. That was bowler, bowler, bowler. <laughs> it, uh, and I used to work. I, if I were on factory floor of Callin, which were often, and I saw him, I'd go out at factory, run down sea, coming through what we call welfare, and diving to join a shop, kick sword up and put wood through. <laughs> and then I'd do a go, look up, turn so, 
Morning, Mr. Baller. Oh, I see you now, Daddy. Yes, I am. <laughs> right, right. Stop that for now. I want you to do this, that, or other. All right, Mr. Baller. <laughs> but some happy memories. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I won't fault it. And I'll tell you now, if it re-emerged like a phoenix, I'd be there like a shot. Honest to God. And the people that I speak to who work there, two sisters who will live at one well, Liz and their Jane, they absolutely loved it there. They're still, they've got all the gear what they wore, the smocks, the hats, everything. And I speak to them on a regular basis on Facebook. Uh, Liz Gill and Jane Goddard, two sisters, they're really nice lasses. And I met him other week. It's very rare I go in town. And Julie, my wife, says, do you fancy going in town? I said, no, not really. She said, oh, come on for it. And anyway, I went in town where, and I'm sitting outside this shop like, in the Alhambra. I thought, what's all this? And then I saw Barnsley stall, football stall. There's a football stall for Barnsley gear in Alhambra. So I'm looking at that. I thought, oh, that's more interesting than what I'm doing. And they said, it's ever. And it will listen to you. And I ain't seen them since I left Canister Company. In 88, 89. Yeah. They kept a few on to uh, scrap it, get rid of it, get rid of all stuff, pass it on, dispatch it wherever, I don't know. Uh, that was a bit of a niggler for me because they kept people on who hadn't been there uh, long. I'd been there 17 years and I got kicked straight through the door. Uh, there were people being there less than 12 months, and they kept them on till the very end, uh, which, that would have, you know, I, I could a, a bit of professional jealousy were involved in, on my part. Uh, you know, I, I, after 17 years, I thought I'd got a, a right, a right to help put Fatsy to sleep type of thing. Uh, so, uh, thinking back, that would have been hurtful to me, like. And I didn't speak to some of my mates who stayed, I didn't speak to them for a few, a few uh, year. Um, well, I, I, uh, is there anything else you want to say as we wrap up? I, I, I really don't know. I mean, like when you've gone, when you've gone, it, it might, it might, it might hit me like a bullet. You know, like a, uh, I mean, like seventeen years. There was never a dull moment. It, uh, Christmases were unbelievable. Christmases up in pub Fitzwilliam across the road. Oh, they were phenomenal. They were, oh, it was. Uh, the only problem with that, I mean, nobody thought about it at times. They used to go, uh, on the day that we finished at Christmas, we all, at dinner time, we all, obviously we all piled up to the pub. And some just got a bit too much. And they got to go back into the factory. Now, there were just sheets of metal. Wherever you walked, it was a dangerous place to walk, to be. And when you've had a few beers, you know, and it, uh, thinking back, like, I, I don't know how they got away with it. And then when they kicked machines up, the flying throat machine, like, they'd all had these women had had a drink and being a bit silly and, Oi, you know what I mean? Trevor, you know, you're all right. <laughs> Trevor, come here, we want you. What about a Christmas kiss? No, you're all right. See you later, bye. <laughs> So me and lads, we just used to, we, we'd go up at dinner time, have a few bevies like, and then we'd come back, have a sandwiches or whatever, and we'd sit, nobody were doing note. 
But they couldn't go until the management said. So we just used to sit in fitting shop and all have a bit of bandit, fill cans on bit chairs like. <coughs> and then when word come to go, obviously it what pub was still open. So we just tidied up, locked up, made sure everything was secure, everything turned off, and we just went up to pub well four and five o'clock. And at time Arthur and Margaret, who what my horse at Fitzwilliam. Obviously, we used to see them every week. Uh, in my case, every day. <laughs> yeah, they used to spend every day the time up there. And every, if we worked Saturday mornings, I'd be in there well four o'clock Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just, just to confirm, where was the Fitzwilliam? Was it round the corner from the canister? Is it, was it Fitzwilliam Arms or what, what was the full name? Oh, uh, you know the pub, the name of the pub. Oh, Margaret, uh, Arthur and Margaret Palmer, the Ed Fitzwilliam. It's still there at Fitzwilliam, Fitzwilliam. boarded up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At top of Fitzwilliam Street. Right. It, uh, it's the pub's still there. Uh, I'm led to believe somebody's bought it f to develop uh, into flats or something like that. Like, uh, but it's it's been ever uh, apparently. I was talking to somebody who lives up, because I go up there regular, because my wife works at Gateway. I run her years. She worked at Canada Company, and she works at Gateway now. So she's, she's still in the same spot. Uh, I go and pick her up. I, I drop her up at uh, four o'clock, and I pick her up at half seven. And uh, while I was waiting for her the other night, saw somebody walking past Fitzwilliam Street. Uh, Fitzwilliam Pub coming to the shop. There's a shop at uh, in front of Gateway. And I recognised him, he used to work in uh, labouring in me then. And I got out of the car talking to him like. And he said, we were I said, spent some time in there, mate, haven't we? He said, God save us, I wish I'd have I wish I'd have five or four of the pint with it. I said, I know. He says, Don't see it inside. I said, No, I don't. He says, It's a disgrace. He says he says, I went in somebody opened it up and he went in like and he says it's been vandalised and that needs a lot of, if it were going to be a pub again it would need thousands and thousands which is a shame really because I used to think it were a decent pub it used to get a lot of people Roy Mason old MP he were a, he were a regular in there with two big big guys he used to stand there either side he were there and they were there and they got the things they were armed to ilt so, Roy Mason, Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. Uh, uh, that's why he had the two guys with him, yeah. Mm. Even after the, after he'd done, he had them up to his death. Mm. He had, uh, uh, we used to, there used to be a, a, a police officer <coughs> used to come and see one at management upstairs, Roger they call him, I don't know his second name, and he used to say that they stayed in a shed at the bottom of his garden on surveillance and everything, everything were wired up, uh, tellies uh, and all that. He says it was unbelievable. And like, he had that up to, his, up, to, up to his death, poor bloke. So he, he were, you know what I mean? Everywhere he went, he had somebody with him. It, it, unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Trevor, I want to thank you for uh, sharing your memories. It, uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And uh, all I can say to you is, uh, if you feel that you need to come and see me again, by all means, I know I've got some very old tins somewhere, <laughs> if they're any good. Yeah. For, but, uh, have, a, have a look, have a look. We can borrow them from yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. I'll just, I'll just stop this, Trevor. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please head over to the Bounty Museum's website to find out what we're currently up to.